Hello, Talent Champion listeners. It's Diana Thomas, your host. Before we get in today's episode, I have a favor to ask of you. Please rate the Talent Champions podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. Not only do we love hearing from you, but your likes, reviews, and subscriptions really help us reach more Talent Champions with our content. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Focused on the pressing and emerging needs in human resources and learning and talent development, this is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Now, here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to this episode of Talent Champions. Today, I'm super excited to have Val Williams as my guest. Val is an executive coach and a master certified coach, so she actually trains and certifies new coaches. She's a leadership consultant who specializes in helping senior executive leaders and their teams be more effective. And I know this firsthand because Val was my executive coach and advisor when I was the VP of Training, Learning, and Development for McDonald's Corporation. She's also the author of several books, including Executive Foundation, Executive Think Time, and her latest book is The Influence Puzzle. Six Aspects of Powerful Executive Presence, which is the focus of our discussion today. Welcome, Val. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks, Diana. Happy to be here. Great. Well, earlier this year, we had a podcast on executive presence that received rave reviews. And based on my interactions with some of our listeners, I wanted to go deeper into how can you cultivate that powerful presence and impact of a successful executive. So we're thrilled to have you discuss this topic with us. Great. I'm so glad to discuss it. It is one of my specialties. So we invited you to come talk about this aspect of executive presence. But first, I wanted to ask you to share a little bit about yourself and your current role. Okay, yeah, because the the work that I do now on leadership and executive presence, it, it is related to my own journey. So here's a little known fact about me that even though it's not listed on my official bio, one relevant part of my background is that I grew up as a cheerleader. So I thought that being a cheerleader was like the coolest thing in both high school and college You know, what I loved about it was getting people on the stands engaged and encouraging the crowd and players like we're all going to win. So so fast forward to in my career, I spent the early part of my career being a corporate executive at Prudential. And I was lucky enough to have a big operations job where I had a team of about 700 people in a couple of locations. But it was like that same theme, like, how do I help my team win? And so the part of my job that I liked the best um, when I was an executive myself was when our leadership team had meetings together and we're looking at our people and we're looking at how can we help them win. And I think that's when I I first learned uh, that our presence, like we as leaders, how we carried ourselves it really made a difference and it makes a difference in performance for people. So now for amazingly to me, it's been almost 20 years that I'm an executive coach and I 
I love this work. So I get to work with senior executives who are like yourself, who are already successful. So these are people who are, they're rocking, they're rolling. But what I'm impressed with is that they're going for more. Like they want to have a bigger impact. These are people that it's important to them. And so these days, my job is a little bit more than cheerleading, right? So (laughs) as an executive coach, you know, we're also working together to create strategies, to have new perspectives, and to look at tools um, that create results. Um, But I have to say, Diana, I still bring that same spirit of being a cheerleader to my work now, that that I, I believe that if we use and engage all of who we are, everything we have, and that is your powerful executive presence, that we can win. Yeah, I love that. You, yeah, and you really do help people win. And, and I think yeah. about two things that stand out um, about you that I just gravitated to when I was looking for an executive coach was one, your leadership experience. So it's really nice when you're coaching somebody. And, and I find this with the leaders that I'm coaching is you can relate to what they've gone through and what they're oh, experiencing. Yeah. And at the right time, they want your advice, you know, like, you know, okay, let's figure out what they really want to do. And, and then just to be able to brainstorm with them some of the things that you did, or some of the things you wish you did better or different, too. So I love that aspect and credibility. Uh, I know that you brought in and as we would recap, I think almost on every call, you'd be like, you know, what was beneficial It's really beneficial just to be able to relate to somebody that's walked in the shoes that you're in as an executive. So I think Exactly. Yes, yes. I, I definitely have walked in those shoes of being a leader and, and having just some of the challenges that leaders face. You know, I, I admire people that step up to lead and people have different reasons uh, for wanting to be a senior executive and a leader. But that is my passion to listen to people and listen to what are they going for and why does it matter to them? Yeah. And you are a fabulous trainer. And I think that was the second reason I just love working with you is you taught me so much. And, you know, when I had a challenge, whether it was the story I was telling myself, I still think of you when I'm thinking through like, why aren't why I'm not getting the results I want? And I go back. What would Val say? She'd go back to the, you know, what are you saying to yourself in your head? And can you change that story so you could change the results? I mean, there's so many things, whether it's how to create a successful team or, you know, making the, the time for think time. I mean, there's just you are a fabulous uh, trainer as well. And that's why I'm excited for you to share some of your information with our audience and and some of the practical tips and concepts that uh, that you talk about that you train about that you write about. Great. Yes. Oh, thank you. Good. Good. All right. Well, let's get into this topic. Sometimes executive presence can be hard for people to put their finger on. And what happens is I think people get then vague feedback or vague advice. So, you know, what does executive presence mean to you? And why do you think it's so important uh, for our leaders to focus on it today? Because we know things are changing rapidly out there. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I I agree that people often think that executive presence is vague and they, they say things like, well, I, I just know it when I see it, right? But my view, and I learned this from the leaders that I've worked with, is that executive presence actually is not vague. It comes from, here's what my clients have told me, that 
a lot of people think executive presence is a whole list of uh, techniques or things that, that you do on yourself, or that executive presence is really just how you look and, and how you sound and how you appear. Now, and so all those things do count. It, you definitely have to have a good appearance and you have to have great uh, oral presentation. But once you um, reach the more senior levels, I think once you pass uh, vice president level and C-level, when you get to those levels, I think you have to have that next level of executive presence and, and have another layer. And so here's my view of executive presence, that what it really is, is executive presence is an assessment and it's an evaluation that's made by other people all the time about you as a leader. So I think it's really helpful to think about it that way, that if I'm a senior executive, I'm being assessed every day, all the time, by other people. And so what I enjoy helping leaders with is, so how can you earn this assessment from other people that you're a great leader and that I want to follow you? And how can you earn that assessment for the rest of your career? So, so when you say, and why is this so important in the world that's changing today? Because since the world's changing so fast, this assessment that other people are making about your presence is also changing moment by moment. So it's not a done deal. It's your executive presence is something that's it's dynamic, it's fluid. And so that's why I say, you know, it's like a puzzle to figure out all the time. Like how do you how do you have that powerful presence in different situations and with different people? And that can change day to day. Yeah. And I think that's a huge difference when people move from, you know, from being an individual contributor, then you're, you're leading other people. But when you really start leading chunks of the business and getting to that higher level of leadership, that's where I think the game really changes. And I and as I coach leaders, and I know I experienced it myself is, you know, everything you do, is part of your presence, right? So if yeah. I come in and yeah. I'm late and I'm running to a meeting and I'm walked by five people and I didn't say hi, they're like, wow, she's not in a good mood today. Be careful, you know? And all of a sudden my presence is not the presence I wanted to have, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, I want to say a word about your leadership here too, Diana, because I thought you demonstrated an excellent executive presence when you were at a vice president yourself, right? You could see that people felt your presence and that you did earn the assessment that you were a leader they wanted to follow. So I saw that firsthand with you and your team. Thank you. And, and I think it's something like you said, you learn and it has to be intentional. And the good thing is I had fabulous people that worked for me. And if you can build a rapport where you can get feedback, because I think that's one of the challenges when you grow up and you don't get feedback. So I think having like an executive coach is wonderful because they'll give you the honest feedback. But when you can get, get your people to give you that feedback, that really is powerful and it can help you just, you know, change and adjust quickly. Yeah. Definitely. 
All right. So let's get a little bit into the meat of your book when you talk about this building this powerful executive presence. And I love how you said, you know, you can keep building this and you need to. So if it's not what you want and you're not as influential as you need to be, you can make those adjustments. So you talk about this influence puzzle, the three P's and the three C's. So can you break them down a little bit more for our audience? Yeah, yes. This is the model I use for executive presence, which I call the influence puzzle. And I I made it simple so that people I work with can remember it. So the three P's and three C's, they're a roadmap. They're best practices for how you earn this assessment from people that, yes, you have a powerful executive presence. Or said another way, the three P's and the three C's, these are the six areas that other people are evaluating your leadership on. Whether they express it to you or not, people are always trying to figure out what kind of leader are you? Will they follow you? So my coaching is about having leaders pay attention to these six things that people are paying attention to. And where did I get these six things, you might wonder? I got them from my own clients. So I went and talked to my own clients who are at VP and C level and asked them about their own executive presence and what are those areas. And to make it simple, the three P's, purpose, power, and peace, and the three C's, clarity, courage, and connection. And so these are the things that my clients say matter. So it's both for their own performance and for how they themselves evaluate others. So, so very briefly, three P's, purpose, power, and peace. Purpose is about knowing why am I a leader? Why am I here? That's different than your job description, right? That's about why do I want to step up and, and why do I feel I can be entrusted with the lives of, you know, several, several people? Uh, power is about how do you as a leader handle power because you don't want to overuse power, but neither do you want to underuse power. So we work a lot on what's that right use of power and peace. Um, this is what you mentioned earlier about peace is about P-E-A-C-E, uh, being that calm, thoughtful leader. So looking at the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about others. The three C's, clarity, courage, and connection. Clarity is about your brand and is it clear to people who you are. Courage is about making the tough decisions, making the tough calls. And connection balances everything. So can you do everything that we're talking about but still have great relationships with people? So those are the three P's and the three C's. I love that. And I love how you talked about it's it's kind of this roadmap to help you become the most effective, you know, executive. And and I believe that the best executives are always wanting to continue to improve. So I, I haven't yeah. met the perfect leader yet. You know, I haven't worked for him. I haven't coached exactly. him. I haven't seen him. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can I can get to your point that we're always uh, improving. I can give you an example of how I worked with one leader on using the three P's and the three C's because they were already successful. Great. I was coaching once a VP of marketing for confidentiality. Let's just call her Susan. 
And so I want to I want to take you back to when she first started learning about executive presence, and specifically her discovery that you know that ex- her executive presence really mattered. So here's someone like you said, already doing well. She was rated very well for her performance and her function, and she was also the member of a senior leadership team for her uh, business unit. And when she was in that meeting with her peers, it was a meeting with her peers and her boss. She felt frustrated in the meeting. And what she she told me was that she felt she had really good ideas about where the company needed to go, but she was not able to influence her peers. And it started to be painful, you know, because she was feeling as if she was not relevant in the decision making, especially when she was in these uh, leadership team meetings. Now, she was well liked. She didn't have any conflict with peers. But what she felt is that she wasn't being a real player. So um, she would complain about this uh, to her boss, and it was her boss who pegged this as the need to strengthen her executive presence. And that's how we started working together. And she was really open to learning. So we worked on all, all six aspects, the three P's and the three C's, but we focused on just two. So we focused on the first P, purpose, and we focused on the first C, clarity. And so she had to get a lot clearer about why she was there. So beyond, she had great ideas, but why did she want to be a leader of marketing? Like what you said before, Diana, about she transitioned from an individual contributor and worked her way up to vice president, but why? And so we had to identify what what did she really care about? And for her, it was actually way beyond some of the marketing projects she was working on. She really cared about the patients that were going to benefit because they were in healthcare. They would benefit from that product. So when we, when she started learning to embody that purpose, and I'm using that word on purpose, right? Embodying mm-hmm. something. Um, and the coaching was on how to do that. She started behaving differently at meetings. So she started presenting ideas from more of an enterprise view. She started having the meetings before the meetings with peers. She started looking at how did her purpose have to dovetail with the purpose of her peers. And gradually, she became a much larger player because she had a bigger presence, much more influence with her peers and way less frustration. So it took some work on her part. But clarifying that purpose made a big difference for her. And she got to the point then where at meetings now, because of the work she was doing outside the meeting as well as inside the meeting, she felt more relevant. So that presence came from the inside out. So she, she really got how much being in touch with her purpose mattered. And that's what also increased her clarity and her brand. So that's just one example of somebody who was already a great performer, but was able to have much greater impact once she clarified, you know, her presence, her clarity, and got a stronger executive presence. I love that example. And one of the things I'm seeing is, you know, in today's changing world, so as you said, things are changing faster. You have to be more agile. You have to be able to adapt faster. And the workforce has changed. You know, the expectations is, are yeah. different. And if you don't resonate with your workforce and you don't, as you said, influence them, and as you talked about, the higher you go up, the more it is about influence, 
people aren't going to follow you and they may not even stay with you. That's one of the challenges as I'm coaching leaders and interacting with many people that are listening to our podcast, these talent champions, those people responsible for the talent in an organization is it is a challenge to attract and retain top talent today. And, And I think that, you know, it's even more critical to be that kind of leader that has that executive presence and influence. Because if you don't, people aren't going to follow and then you're not going to get the results you want and you become frustrated. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. that You're exactly right, Diana. And that's just like you, you're saying, that's that idea that executive presence is an assessment made by other people. To your point, right? It's the people who are following you that make that assessment of do you have a presence that's worth following? Yeah. Right. One of the things I really like the way that you laid out in your book when you talked about kind of senior level leadership demands and, you know, things that you've noticed that things shift when you get into that higher level. And I know personally, I experienced this as well as the people I'm coaching today are because typically I'm coaching those people at the C-level as well. But, you know, the need for stronger strategic thinking, the need for stronger collaboration, you know, stress levels go up, authority goes up, you know, and the need for all of these things. But then what you don't have as much is, you know, that time to think uh, and that time to just get away and kind of um, recover and, you know, recoup and be able to come back at a higher level. Uh, built into your day. And and so one of the things I love that you talk about is your strategic think time. And I know for me, that was one of the things that helped me be even more effective and reduce my stress because I had the time to think about where, you know, where I needed to go and was I spending the right time uh, and on the right activities to lead my team based on where the company needs us. But let's talk a little bit about the stress level because it does feel like the stress level has been dialed up a little bit more as the workload is heavier and resources are fewer or budgets are cut. You know, what are you seeing and what kind of advice do you give your uh, clients, your leaders that you're coaching? Yeah, okay. So, so two things that I recommend, Diana. So one is what you've already mentioned, that there's a, another book that I wrote with a co-author called Executive Think Time. And so that is a small book that basically says you need that time to put your feet up on the desk or to you know, sit out in your, on your deck and to really step back and think. And a lot of the thinking can be related to what we're talking about today, which is how do I design my presence in a more powerful way? But now the other part of handling stress is related to the three P's and the three C's in terms of your executive presence. And it's the third P, which is peace. So peace is about being that calm, thoughtful leader, as I mentioned, And peace is about staying out of what I call react mode, because stress is react mode. When we're under stress, we're reacting in a way that we would prefer not to. As I usually see with, you know, senior level people, it's not that you're yelling or jumping across the desk or anything like that, but internally, right, we're having reactions that, you know, uh, we're getting tense about things. And so... That is even more of a challenge, I think, at the higher levels because the politics are much more intense. To give you an example of this, 
I was coaching a senior vice president who, in this case, um, he was trying to influence not his peers, but his bosses. So his bosses were C-level leaders, and behind them, of course, is the board. And they were manufacturing products. And for this senior VP, when he looked at the competition, what he felt is that the company should be focusing much more on the research of new products versus just being so focused on the current product. So he had this vision for the future, but he couldn't influence upward to have them consider it. So he, he was often feeling the stress of what he saw as they were losing market share, and he foresaw serious consequences like this could result in layoffs if we keep going the way we're going. So he was definitely in react mode. And he was, when we talked, he was talking a lot about, you know, why can't they see it? This makes so much sense. We should be focusing differently. And why can't they see that, you know, this is putting more pressure on the current system. We're having to do more work with less resources. So our coaching was on this whole idea of peace and how do you deconstruct react mode? So the, the basic idea here is to take a deeper look at the stories, this is what you mentioned earlier, the stories that we tell ourselves about a stressful situation. So to give a, a concrete example, in this case, this senior VP had a story about his bosses and maybe the company at large that maybe they're just not progressive enough in their thinking. Like they all, you know, they got along well, but this was different. He was thinking, you know, maybe they're not thinking ahead enough, maybe not being strategic enough. And the thing that concerned me, and, and you talked about this, Diane, is that this guy was pretty talented, and he started to think maybe he should leave the organization. Like, well, maybe they're just not going to see it, and this is not the place for me. So he became a flight risk. But what we did was we dug a little deeper into the story that he had about himself when he was under this stress. And one of the things we looked at was, was he satisfied that he had done everything he possibly could to influence, you know, his bosses and others? And his honest answer was no, he hadn't. And the reason was he needed to work on something that was missing, and it was the third C, connection. So we said the three Cs, clarity, courage, and connection. He was very clear. He definitely had the courage to fight for his idea, but he wasn't working as much on connection. He was feeling so critical of his bosses that he was not staying in close enough relationship to them. So we worked on that. We worked on changing some of the stories he had about others, about himself, building more connection, and developing different types of arguments for his case. And, and so in the end, he decided to stay with the company, had a different view of the situation. So it was it still challenging? Yes, but not that personal stress of, you know, why I'm not I'm not influencing them in the way I wanted to. So that's that's an example of again somebody very successful, well liked, but feeling that frustration of the stress of not being able to influence things to go in a different way. Yeah, that's a great example. And what I tend to see, and you know, I hate to say I see it more with women, but I think women tend to be more critical on themselves sometimes. They just, you know, they they have this high bar. Uh, not that men don't, but maybe we let it show a little bit more. But a few of the 
the leaders I've coached probably in the last year or so, it's around that confidence piece. And when you're not as confident, that creates even more stress on top of already a stressful job, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that I, I, you know, I have seen that too, like that. It's very common, I think, with women in particular, maybe, but high achievers in general, to have that imposter syndrome, that that feeling that, oh, you know, am I really good enough? Am I really adding enough value? And the answer usually is, because we're hard on ourselves, the answer usually is, yes, mm-hmm. your, your talent is intact. Your skill is intact, um, but you just have to bring your attention to it. Like sometimes it's important for us to remind ourselves of our strengths. So that's why, you know, I love those programs that point out and give us inventories for noticing what are our strengths. Because my advice is usually take that list of your top five or six strengths and put it right on your computer so you see it every day. Remind yourself. Yeah, I love that. I love focusing on the strengths. And like you said, though, high achievers, I just went through this with a a group of leaders I'm working with from one firm, and they just did a 360. And I'm so impressed with their strengths. And the first thing they talk about is, I need to get better at this area. I'm like, let's let's go back. Let's look at all these fabulous strengths that you have, you know, and and celebrate those and focus. So yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we talked about the the six areas in your book. How would, if you were coaching someone who is just, you know, going to purchase your book or look at the book, how would they best figure out for themselves which area to focus on? Is there any tips that you have for our aspiring leaders out there or our seasoned leaders that just want to get better and how to best use this information to help them? Yeah, well, I actually do include there some questions you can ask yourself for each of those areas, right? So that you can help evaluate, you know, how how clear is my purpose? So I have some questions at the end of each chapter to help you do that. So part of it is going to be reflection, self-reflection. Certainly, you also want to get some feedback from your team, right? It's about the people that you're leading, so you can find out from them. Um, but as you as you dig into each of the three P's and the three C's, you really want to feel satisfied, like, all right, can I identify for each of those? Am I able to say, what is my purpose? Could I say it clearly? Would other people be able to say it? Or power, you know, look at your own feedback. Am I, am I being tentative? Am I underusing it? Or am I overusing it and I'm being a little too aggressive? So I think there are questions you can ask yourself for each part that I include there so that you can assess. And the, in addition, I say get feedback from your team. And don't try to boil the ocean. Maybe pick one or two to start with pick instead one. of... one. Oh, love it. You yeah, love it even exactly. better. Pick one and focus on that. So, Yeah. Um, but as I was just going through uh, this book and reflecting on the books that you've already written, your books are very practical, short, easy to read, absorb and apply. One of the another reasons we all love you. But what prompted you to write them in that way? Diana, I write short books because the executives I work with, they are very busy people. So I have learned that if a leader can't read what I'm talking about in a train ride or a plane ride, it is unlikely to happen. So it's also my style, right? So what my clients tell me they like about my coaching is that 
I'm, I'm just like them. I'm results oriented. I'm very practical. So I just feel like a short book, I like to get right to the point of here's some recommendations on how to look at it and some recommendations on what you can do. Because for me, coaching has to be more than like a, just a nice conversation. If it doesn't result in a leader actually changing their behavior, it's not coaching. And I was a leader myself. So I feel like, you know, I have to write things that are short and to the point so that you can go out and use them tomorrow. So if someone is aspiring to be a C-suite executive, you know, what can they start doing today to prep and to reach this goal? I start with purpose. I think purpose is uh, where I would go. If you want to be a C-suite leader, start behaving like a C-suite leader now. And that's why purpose is so important because it has to be like, well, why are you there? Because in many ways, I think the C-suite is a club and you have to look at it this way. If it's a club, why would they want you to be a member? So they want you to be a member because you are bringing a certain contribution. What is that? So if you want to prepare to be there, I'd say clarify what is that contribution that you would bring to the highest levels of the company and how would it move the company and the people in the company forward? So start there behave as if you're already there and start living that purpose now. That's a good place to start because you can, you don't need anyone's permission to do that right now. Yeah, I love that is understand the purpose of the company and connect. And in my book, um, Be More Strategic, that's one of the starting points for, for, you know, the coaching that I give to leaders and the experience that I shared is you have to understand what the company is trying to achieve and then attach yourself to how can I help them do this even at a higher level. So, you know, there's many times when I'll talk to leaders in their life and I'm like, well, tell me, help me understand what is the purpose of the company or what is the vision? It's like, well, yeah, me, you, exactly. know, you, you got to know that. So that's great. You got to know that. And, and I like your words, Diana, and you got to connect to that, right? So whatever the company is trying to do. So it's good for you to know what you want to do, but it does have to connect with what they want to do. And that, I mean, that's my definition of impact and having a big impact. It's got to be something that's mutual, right? It's good for you. It's good for the company. Love it. Love it. So what's your favorite thing about being an executive coach? Uh, That there's no question about that. My favorite thing is the magic. When we create magic together, you know, if you, a few weeks ago, I was coaching a group of about 15 executives who I had never met before. And we made an agreement right at the beginning. I was going to be coaching them for the whole day. And right in the morning, we made an agreement like, all right, let's be all in today for our development and growth. You know, let, that we're all going to walk away at the end of today as stronger leaders that, than when we came in, myself included, right? I want to learn as much as they want to learn. So we made that agreement and they were fantastic. They were honest about their, their doubts. They were open to seeing their roles differently. And even though I was the coach, um, I also learned and I just felt we created magic that day. Magic to me is when people say, Oh, that's how things work. That's why I reacted the way I did. And, Oh, I can do something about this situation. So I, I just admire that in leaders, right? Because leaders to me are 
people that are, they're always growing for the sake of others, for the sake of people that we serve. And there's nothing cooler than that. So that magic, that's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Love it. Love it. So if we have some people out there listening and they're saying, maybe I want to be an executive coach. Do you have any advice for those individuals that are maybe exploring going down the path of being a coach? The most important thing, get training, right? Because I do, I really do believe that training is very, very helpful. I'd also say make sure you have your own coach because I probably learned as much from being a client, me being coached, as I did you know, in terms of having formal coach training, I would say do those two things. And then similarly, because if you want to be an executive coach, you're, you're being an, becoming an entrepreneur. So I would say the same thing I say to senior executives, then find out then what's the contribution you want to make, right? Because it, you're going to need a reason when it, it's tough to run a business. You're going to need an important reason, something you care about deeply to run a business. So really get in touch with what is that contribution I want to make. So I'd start there. I know you helped me tremendously when I was at that point of wanting to do something different and trying to figure out what my next chapter would be. And some of the advice that you gave me that still sticks with me and I give others is really think about, you know, what do you want to be doing? And I I think the advice that was so incredibly helpful is if you want to be the expert and give advice and help people by helping giving them suggestions and sharing your knowledge, then you probably want to be more like a consultant. But if you want to be a coach, (laughs) I remember you saying, you have to be a great listener. So I remember you saying, Diana, you're going to have to work on those listening skills a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. One of my own coaches taught me this early on, the difference between coaching and consulting. And I, I love this distinction. He says, consulting is bringing expertise to the client. Coaching is bringing expertise out of the client. Yeah. And like you said, to have that that magic and to make that impact, it's knowing yourself and knowing what your strengths are and playing to those strengths or adjusting. Like if yeah. you want to be that better listener and bring the, the answers out of your consultants. Yeah. To me, that's what's most rewarding is when they figure it out and you've helped them by asking questions or reflecting back or helping them think through something. To me, that's the, like you said, the magic. Yeah, that's the magic. And that magic has an impact. And that's, you know, that's my whole thing, impact. How do you actually increase your impact, the impact you have, and then help others increase their impact? So who's had the greatest impact on your professional life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's influence? So for me, Diana, the greatest impact has been my own coaches and mentors. So I've been a coach almost 20 years, and I've had several coaches coach me. There have been several people, but if I had to highlight one, one would be a mentor that I had who's been a CEO at three companies now. And what he influenced me is that huge success is not only possible, it's fun and it's useful. 
because I think what I what I learned from him is that at, the, at when you're at higher levels in an organization in or whatever field you're in, you can make an even larger contribution if you become really masterful, you know, at the game that you're in, whatever that game is. So I think what, what he encouraged me to do was to play big, play bigger. And I embraced that idea. So, so for me, like, I, I want to make a bigger contribution. I want to have an even more beneficial impact. You know, that's why my website tagline is beneficial impact. Have a big impact, but have it be beneficial. And I'm still an idealist. You know, this, I think what, what that mentor taught me is that I want to believe in people who want to have a really positive impact on their organization and then hopefully on the world. Wonderful. Have an impact on people and then have them impact the world. I, I love it. And we, yeah. need, we need more impact in the world. So like you said, it's Yeah, we, the world needs that today, right? And, and that's why I like to say, though, and it needs to be beneficial. Because mm-hmm. a beneficial impact needs to be an impact that it's good for you as a leader. It's good for the people you lead. It's good for the company. And it's good for the world. Yeah. Fantastic advice. So as we, as we wrap up, uh, what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions? Well, I'll, I will summarize my message this way, and it's the message that I, I have, you know, for all senior executive leaders or for those aspiring to be uh, senior executives. So I look at all my work, it, it might look like I'm working on a lot of different things, but really my message is this, that if you're going to be a senior executive leader, it's a much bigger game. Like you talked about earlier, how the game changes uh, when you get to VP and C level. And so my, my main message is, since it's a bigger game, you've got to become a bigger player. And one of the ways that you become bigger is to develop that more powerful executive presence. That's what we were talking about today. And, that, and the reminder is you earn that assessment from others you know, when you're a leader that people can believe in. And I think the second part of my message is that the story, we've talked a little bit about stories that you tell yourself. My, my message would be the story you tell yourself, particularly the story you tell yourself about yourself, it's the foundation of everything. And so that, I hope, is a hopeful message that if you tell yourself a better story, you're going to have a better better life, a better career and a better life. Um, and because, you know, I'll go back to where I started because I'm a cheerleader and I like to encourage people. Um, what if you have more power than you think? So the advice I would give to our talent champions is what if you're bigger than you think? And it starts with you. It's like you said, the stories that we tell each other, better stories, better life, and, and having those people around you, like you said, I encourage every executive I talk to that'll say, you know, when do you think I need an executive coach? And, you know, why should I get one? And I'm, I'm always like, I think everybody should have it. Because if you want to keep yeah. getting better and bigger, you know, and making a bigger impact, it's great to have that thought partner and to help 
check you to make sure you're saying the right stories and to, you know, kind of reflect and and to help put things in perspective sometimes because it can get a little lonely at the top because you're supposed to have the answers, right? Exactly, exactly, definitely, yep. Wonderful, wonderful advice. So um, how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more? Okay, so my website is valwilliams.com, one word, V-A-L-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.com. And my email is the same, val at valwilliams.com. And I have a phone number there. I actually do talk live on the phone, (laughs) not just email. So I encourage people, if you want to look into how you can play bigger, you know, call me. It's my favorite thing to listen to what people are up to, what are you going for, and why it matters. Wonderful. Well, it has been fabulous. Such a pleasure to have you as a guest. And every time I spend time with you, I just feel your cheerleader come through and saying, you can do this. And, you know, what else can I, what can I do bigger and better today? So thank you for your inspiration. And Oh, my, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. On our next episode, I'm talking with a leadership development expert and an Olympic gold medalist turned consultant for high-performing business teams. The two came together to write a book translating lessons from the championship soccer field into the boardroom. If you'd like an email notification when this episode is released, please visit our website, talent-champions.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcast, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.